missing. According to this article, he recently tried, hush-hush, to buy the original, unedited version of the Declaration of Independence. He offered a billion dollars. Think about that. The man wouldn't miss a million any more than we miss the twenty-five bucks we send Juanita. He's just pursuing life, liberty, and happiness, Eliza. And doing a better job of it than anyone else. This guy's leaving Bill Gates behind in a cloud of dust. So we break into Cord's house and steal a Van Gogh? What? Of course not. He'd miss that. We write him and ask him for some money. We don't have to be greedy. Two hundred thousand would be plenty. And we offer to return it if Sky gets a big academic scholarship. Ask him. That's it. We write and ask him for two hundred grand. I shrugged, not voluntarily. You never know unless you ask, Cliff. You might get refused, but sometimes you get what you ask for. I've heard you call that the Casanova theory. That's in business, Eliza, and I was kind of joking. Maybe, and maybe I am too, but maybe I'm not. She pulled her thick copper wire hair away from her face. It snapped right back. Skye had inherited the same unruly mop. We could become like his foster children in Santa Domingo, she continued. You're not a drunk, and I'm not a drug addict begging him for money on a subway. You're a hard-working guy struggling to make it for your family, but it's gotten tough out there, and I bet that even Mr. Cord knows it. We've done the analysis, and we just can't pay for college. I bet Cord might find the idea intriguing. Eliza had on a white cotton madras dress, a loose, thin, translucent thing, and when she got up to open the window and the pale yellow sun streamed through, it became apparent that she had nothing on underneath, top or bottom. I found her quirky tenderness beguiling, even in the kitchen before breakfast on a weekday. I stood behind her, gently fondling the back of her neck with my fingers, and pulled her toward me. I was glad Schuyler was a sound sleeper. Sometimes the Casanova theory produced tangible results, even early in the morning. Soon Schuyler's radio alarm clock started to blare some electronic jumble that sounded like a serious malfunction. It was 7.15. Time for a quick cup of coffee, a shower, a few minutes with Jane Pauley and Bryant Gumbel on the Today Show, and the number two train to Wall Street for another day at the hamster wheel. I folded my times into eighths so it would fit into the one-inch space I claimed as my own in the jammed subway car. I glanced at some front-page articles, a bank robber who scared tellers into submission with a toy gun, the recall of millions of nylon disposable diapers because they could melt in hot weather and burn a baby's skin, the tense standoff in a chess match between a massive IBM computer and the undisputed human world champion from Russia. Although the paper looked intriguing and I appropriated enough space to read it, I was daydreaming about whether Eliza might have actually stumbled onto something. In my mind, I drafted and redrafted a request letter, and when I reached the office, I actually scribbled one out. I was lousy at the keyboard and too embarrassed to show it to Lucille, my secretary, so I brought the scrap home to type it. We owned an Apple Mac for Sky to use in school, but both Eliza and I still used the old Smith Corona Electric. 
Ribbon cartridges and erasable bond paper were getting increasingly difficult to find, so we kept a stockpile in the hall closet. I never actually expected a reply to the letter, of course. I spilled a scalding hot cup of coffee during a conference call that day a month later when Eliza marched into my office carrying a manila package. I still have the burn scar on my hand. It came in the mail this morning, Cliff. She held the package out so I could see it. I pushed the mute button so the other parties on the line wouldn't be able to hear my end through the speakerphone. I read the return address upside down from where I sat. It was a handwritten label that said Avery Cord, care of the Cyberonics Corporation, Portland, Oregon, 97210. The only other correspondence I had ever wondered about with such trepidation had been the letter from Harvard thirty years earlier. I recalled thinking that you could predict the outcome, yay or nay, by the weight of the letter. I guess I got the fattest rejection letter.